You are listening to the Faith Church Podcast. Learn more about our church at faithinchandler.com. I am at a stage uh, in my life where uh, my kids ask lots of questions. Um, They've not gotten to the point where they've decided they know everything yet. Um, Some of you are in that phase. Um, Some of you have sent your kids off. They're out of the house, and now you're answering all your grandkids' questions. But I'm in that phase where my my children are constantly asking questions about everything. And when you answer that question, they follow it up with another question. And then they say, why? And you answer that, right? And at, at some point, it can become a little bit frustrating, all of the questions. But every one of those questions that they're asking are learning opportunities. What happens in Jesus' final conversation with his disciples, he's giving them some really important final instructions, final words. And they ask a few questions. Thomas asks a question that last week gave us Jesus' answer, his reply that I am the way, the truth, and the life. In the rest of John 14, Philip asks a question, and then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other Judas asks a question towards the end of it. And in response to those questions, we get these really important truths. And this week, looking at Jesus' response to Philip's question, because Philip says, Jesus, why don't you just show us the Father? Jesus responds, and in it, he makes this really powerful statement in verse 12. So look at verse 12 with me. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Listen, I've I've been studying God's Word for a long time. I've been preaching God's Word for many years. But this week, as I looked at that verse, I looked at verse 12, it just really kind of knocked me sideways. It kind of blew my mind that Jesus says, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do and will do greater works than these. And what happens here is that Jesus doesn't say, you disciples will do greater works than these. He says, whoever believes will do greater works than these. Now, what are the works that Jesus has done? Well, throughout the Gospel of John, John has given us some pretty incredible signs and miracles that Jesus has accomplished. He's raised Lazarus from the dead. He's fed 5,000 people with a small lunch. He's healed a man who was born blind. He does some really incredible things. And Jesus says that whoever believes in him will do the works that he has done and will do greater works than he has done. That's just incredible. Because if you're here today and you believe in Jesus, you've made the decision to follow Jesus, this applies to you. You don't have to be a varsity Christian. You don't have to be called to serve in vocational ministry. You don't have to answer the call to preach or the an- answer the call to take the gospel overseas in missions. If you've believed in Jesus, you will do the works of Jesus and you will do greater works than those that Jesus has been doing. This is amazing. So what exactly is Jesus talking about? 
How is it possible that we will do greater works than he has done? Because it's not like we're talking about we will do greater works than the average person. We're talking about doing greater works than Jesus himself. So what's he talking about? Well, let's, let's keep it in context. Let's, let's read this whole question and answer. Look back at verse 8. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Philip says, Jesus, if you'll just show us God the Father, that'll answer all of our questions. And Jesus saith unto him, and, and here's a little bit of that frustration you have when you've answered 37 of your kids' questions, and they still don't get it. Jesus says, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He says, Philip, you haven't got this yet? You've been with me for three years watching me do ministry. Have you not grasped this concept? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. Jesus says, Philip, I am the Father. You have seen the Father. You've seen the works that I'm doing, which point to the Father. Verse 10. Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, and he doeth the works. Believe in me. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works' sake. Philip, believe that I am showing you the Father. I am one with the Father. I am come from the Father. Believe that for my word's sake or for the signs that I have shown you sake, the works that I have done. And what have all of the words and all of the works, what's all of it been about? Pointing to the Father. It's all been about pointing to the Father. And then he says in verse 12, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say to you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, he shall do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Hopefully every parent wants their child to do better than they have done, right? I'm seeing some nods from moms and dads, like, I want my kid to do better than I did, I want them to accomplish more, and I certainly want them to avoid the mistakes that I made, right? That's the, the healthy perspective of a parent. We want our children to do better than we did. I hope that my ceiling is the floor for Haven and Lincoln and what they will do in their life. I hope that they can stand on my shoulders and what they do in their life. The mission of our church is that we're going to build the church. Our friends and neighbors will join and our children will lead. It's our hope. It's our prayer. It's our dream that they take the baton from us and they lead the church to do greater things than we have led it to do. That they reach more and more of the community. That this mission not only carries on, but it expands, it multiplies, it does greater work when it's their turn. But occasionally there is an insecure parent who... They're threatened by the success of their children. They're threatened by the ability, the capability, the fame, the whatever it might be. They feel a little threatened to try to put them in their place. 
Jesus is coming to the end of his time with the disciples, his spiritual children. And what he says to them, he says, I want you to go further. I want you to do more. I want you to accomplish greater works than those that I have accomplished. Jesus is completely secure in who he is. He's completely secure in his calling, in his place, in his position as the son. And so he has no fear that if the disciples do greater and greater works, that it's going to diminish him in any way. Because Jesus' whole purpose in his life and ministry was to show the way to the Father. That was the reason he came. That was the, 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 the synopsis of his life and ministry. That was going to be the reason for his death, was to make a way to God the Father. And his hope is that the disciples who come after him will show even more people the way to the Father. The mission is aligned. It's the same. It's about the same thing. It's all about helping people who are far from God find their way back to God. Jesus came to make that way possible, and he's left us behind to show the way for others. You see, when Jesus says that we will do greater works, what he's saying is that not we will do miracles or that we'll raise the dead, but rather we will show others the way to find their path back to God. That by showing them Jesus, they will find their way back to the Father. And the greatest Thing that you and I can do in this life, the thing that carries the most significance is help people who are far from God find their way back to God. That's the greatest thing that we can do. It matters so much. It's more significant than anything else. And Jesus is talking to his disciples who would launch the church and would become this movement that is through the generations for thousands of years proclaimed the name of Jesus as the way to come back to the Father and experience forgiveness from our sin, experience reunification with our Creator, God the Father, and that has been marching on for thousands of years. And right now, in places like Bangladesh and places like Beijing, and places like Antigua, and places like Iceland, all around the world, there are people who are gathering together to celebrate Jesus, the one that John wrote about, and they are carrying this mission forward, and more and more people are coming to know the truth about Jesus Christ, which points them back to the Father. You see, we look at the life of Jesus, and we say, wow, he did some incredible things. He did some incredible things. He raised Lazarus from the dead. He healed this man who was born blind. He fed thousands with just a small loaf of bread. I wish that we could do that. I wish that we could do things like that. But what Jesus says to us here is the things that we will do and the mission that we will carry forward, that it matters more than any of that. And it's so important that we get a hold of this. Because Jesus is about to introduce us to the work of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, who will be this agent of this mission carrying forward. And if we have the wrong mindset of what the greater things are, we'll focus on the wrong works of the Holy Spirit. 
Because often when we think of the Holy Spirit, we think of these supernatural signs, miraculous things that seem out of the ordinary and crazy. And if we're not careful, we'll pigeonhole the Holy Spirit to being the magic show of the church. That when the Holy Spirit shows up, weird stuff happens. And Jesus says, that's not the great things. The great things is people who are far from God finding their way back to me and I connect them to God the Father. That's the most important thing. And if you and I think of the Holy Spirit as this agent, this this spirit, this work, this force, this power who comes and he makes these strange things happen that we can't explain, then we are really missing out on the most important work of the Holy Spirit. When we make the Holy Spirit out to be that, this is what we do, okay? We make Superman out to be the dog catcher. You say, what do you mean we make Superman out to be the dog catcher? You, Superman would make an excellent dog catcher. A cat stuck in a tree, just fly up there and get it. Your dog's missing. Supersonic hearing. Knows where all the dogs are, can find them. Fly all over the county. Find your missing dog. Superman would make an excellent dog catcher. But if Superman were here with us, there's more important work for him to do than dog catcher. And I know that you love your puppy. And I know that you love your kitty cat. And Superman would would be willing to do those things, right? But if we said, wow, Superman, he could... Why? He's got superhuman strength. He's faster than a locomotive, right? He, he can jump tall buildings in a single bound. Let's make him dog catcher. It would show that we really don't understand his capability or we don't understand what we really need. And if we think of the work of the Holy Spirit as just simply alleviating the physical suffering or doing things that are strange, performing signs and miracles, we don't understand what really, really matters. What really, really matters is that we are forgiven of our sin. That's the most important thing. That is the greater work that needs to be accomplished. Remember, Jesus has made this statement right after saying to Philip, I've spent the last three years, Philip, showing you the Father. That's what I've been doing. Philip, I've been showing you the way to the Father. And the greatest need that we have in our homes, in our community, in our world, in our nation, the greatest need that we have is that people need to see the Father. They need to see the good, good Father that loves them, that wants to bring restoration to them. The powerful work of the Holy Spirit in healing sicknesses and averting death. Those are good. But the work of the gospel is great. That is the greater work. Backing up this connection to the greater work of the Spirit is in that it's in the lifting up of Jesus is seen in verses 13 and 14. Look at verses 13 and 14. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do. Why? that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, 
I will do it. Now that's a really big statement too. Jesus just said, if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. Now often when we pray here at Faith Church, you will hear us end our prayers with, in your son's name, in Jesus' name, amen. And we're praying in Jesus' name. And Jesus says, when you pray in my name, I will answer. But we should be careful that we don't think that the name of Jesus is some magic word that if we just insert that into the prayer that we want, we will get what we desire. Because it doesn't work that way. Because what is Jesus talking about? He is talking about lifting up the Father, showing people the greater work of the gospel, finding their way back to God. And when we are carrying out that mission, when we are on the mission that God has called us to, God will enable us to do that. But he does not say, listen, if you really want to win the nut club half pot, just pray in my name. <laughs> it's, it's not some, some magic spell. We can say the name of Jesus and get the thing that we desire. Rather, what he's saying, he's saying, when you are a part of this work that I am leaving for you to do, when you need help, ask for my help and I will help. I'm not leaving you to do this work on your own. I will hear your calls for help. What Jesus says here in, in this, this moment is similar to statements he makes elsewhere in Scripture. Uh, he says in uh, John 15, next chapter, we'll look at next week in verse 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. But see, there's a qualification when we're abiding in Him and He's abiding in us and there's this relationship and we're drawing closer to Him. He's going to show us the things that we really need. Those things we ask for, He will give them to us. Later on, John would write in one of his letters, if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have requests that we have asked of Him when we we're praying according to His will. Mark 11, 24 tells us, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received and it will be yours. So in all of these other instances, there's these qualifications. If we pray according to the will of God, if we pray believing, if we pray abiding. But here in this verse, there isn't that because it's connected to the previous verses where he's saying, I'm leaving you here to show the works of the Father like I've been doing. And if there's anything you need in that to accomplish that mission, ask and I will surely give it. It's kind of like you have some people working at your house and they're, they're performing some type of maintenance. And you show them where the work needs to be done and they get started and you say to them as you're slipping back to the other room so you can leave them to do the work, if you guys need anything, just let me know. What are you saying? You're saying if you need to drink water, if, if you need me to move something out of the way, if, if, you, if there's access to some other part of the house so that you can accomplish the work that you're here to do, let me know and I'll make that happen. You're not saying if you want my car, take it. You're not saying, hey, here's my debit card. Go spend it however you want. What you're saying is if there's anything you need to accomplish the work that you're here to do, let me know. We'll make that happen. And when we're on the mission that God has placed us in, He's promised to help us in it. So let's sit with this for a second. Because Jesus said because He's going to the Father, we'll be able to do greater works than He has done. 
And he's also said that whatever we need in this work, he'll provide it if we ask. There's nothing we can do that has greater meaning than this work. And he's promised to help us and enable us. But at no point in this passage has he told us that this will be easy. Because this is hard work. It is so hard. This is difficult work. And the disciples can sense this difficulty because they are feeling this, they're, they're feeling this disconnection. They're feeling like Jesus is leaving and we're going to be all here on our own. And the, Jesus, the whole reason that I signed up for this is I signed up to follow you and now you're telling me I can't go where you are going. And Jesus says, not only is this work greater and not only is this work important and not only will I answer your prayers, but he tells them how this work will be accomplished. Look at verse 16. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. Jesus is saying, I am leaving, but I will send the Holy Spirit who will be a comforter and a spirit of truth. And in the King James, we have this word comforter, and it's, it's right, it's an appropriate term, because he is that comforter. He helps us in times of need. And I have experienced this to be real and true. From funeral homes to ICUs, to difficult phone calls, scary moments, heartbreaking moments, the Comforter is there and He comforts us. And He lets us know that we are not alone. He is the presence of God with us. Jesus says to the disciples, I will not leave you alone, but I will send the Comforter to be with you. And the Holy Spirit is definitely one who brings us comfort in days and moments of difficulty, but he's more than that. Elsewhere, he's called an advocate. And an advocate is one who stands with you or speaks before you. An advocate is one who goes into court with you and they speak to the judge on your behalf. They're one who gives you counsel in what you should do legally. And so he's a comforter and he's a counselor, but not just in the sense of a therapist that we pour out our problems to, but one who can tell us what we need to do before God. And here, Jesus tells us that he is a spirit of truth. Can I, can I just let you know, just, this is really important, okay? When you pour out your feelings to your friends and they listen, it feels good, right? And we need people that we can pour that out to. But what happens next is that then they give you advice. And sometimes that is awful advice. Some of you have friends that you know that give awful advice. When the Spirit gives us counsel, it is truth. It's truth. 
God's Spirit does not just say, oh, I'm sorry, that's okay. You know what you should do? You should really tell them how you feel. No, the Spirit tells us what we need to hear, what is truth. Look down at verse 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. The Holy Spirit is going to remind us of the truth that we need. The Holy Spirit is going to help us understand the truth that God has already shared. Jesus says the Holy Spirit is going to help you understand. And John, looking back at these moments after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus through the work of the Spirit, is able to understand all of these things that Jesus was talking about and have a new perspective on them. And I know that some of you, when you read the Bible, it makes no sense to you. But if the Holy Spirit is with you, if you've put your faith in Jesus and the Holy Spirit has come to reside within you, He will lead you into truth. And He will teach you all things. And He will help you to understand what God has laid out that we need. But the Holy Spirit's purpose is not completely utilitarian. He's not just here with a job to do. Because look at verses 18 and 19. Jesus says, I will not leave you comfortless, but I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you see me, because I live, you shall live also. Now Jesus just told them that he's leaving. They don't understand why he's leaving, why they can't go with him. Jesus says, don't worry, I'll be with you. I'll be here. The world won't see me, but you will see me. Jesus is saying, the Holy Spirit will stand in my place, and you will see me in him. You will remain connected to me through him. Look at verse 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Now we know that God loves the world. We know that. John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. And so everyone is loved by God. Romans 5.8 says that while we were yet sinners, Christ loved us. And so God loves everyone. We don't earn that love by obeying his rules. But God loves us all. And when we love Him back, we love Him in response. He makes His abode with us. He comes to dwell with us. And we experience His love in a profoundly different way than the world does. We experience His presence in a profoundly different way than the world does. God loves everyone, but when we love Him back, we begin to experience His presence in our lives. We begin to experience His impact in our lives. I've been married to Nicole for 15 years now. And because we loved one another, we responded to one another in that love. We've grown closer through that time. And as we've been together all of this time. We've come to know more and more one about one another. And as the Lord loves you and you respond to that love in kind, you grow closer and closer and closer. And throughout your life, you begin to experience His love in a profoundly powerful way. To experience His presence in your life. 
And so what Jesus is saying here is that I'm sending the Spirit so that we remain connected and you may experience my love and you may show it to others. So let, me, let me try and show you what, I, what I'm talking about. Uh, Keith and Don, can you guys come up here? I'm usually as a visual illustration, all right? So just stand right here and face the crowd. All right? So in this instance, Don is our God, Father, Creator in heaven. And I have been separated from God because of my sin. And so Don sends his son, Keith, right? He sends his son, Jesus, to connect us. Can you guys hold hands for a second? And now we are connected. I was separated from God. I couldn't reach God. He was too far. My sin had separated me from Him. But Jesus came and reached out to us. What the disciples have experienced, they've experienced this relationship with Jesus. They have been connected to the Father. But now Jesus says, I am leaving. Don't worry, I am sending a comforter. Rick, can you come up here? Can you hold hands with Keith? (laughs) And so I'm still connected to God. I was separated from God because of my sin. God sent his son to reach out to me, to bridge the gap. The son has gone back to prepare a place for us. He has sent the spirit so that we remain connected. Right now, all around us, there are people, they don't know God. But they know me. And when we reach out, It's not about connecting them to us. It's about connecting them to the Father. Jesus said, I came to show the Father, to glorify the Father. I go to prepare a place for you. I will send you one who will point people back to me, to the truth that I have told you. That's what this is about. If I told you before the service, I was going to get these three guys to stand up here and hold hands. Would you believe me? (laughs) Thank you, guys. You can sit down. On July 11th of 2017, there were two elementary school-aged boys who were at Panama City Beach with their family on summer vacation. And they were enjoying swimming in the ocean, and they realized they couldn't get back to shore. That no matter how hard they swam, they seemed like they were getting farther away. They were caught in a current. They started yelling out for their mom... And she swam out to them and got a hold of her boys. But the current was too strong for her. She couldn't get back towards the beach. Two adults who were on body boards a little bit farther out saw what was happening. They swam out to the woman and her children and then they were stuck in the current. Two more adults swam out and now there's just a group of people stuck in this current, swimming as hard as they can, unable to get back to the beach. There's a young couple in their 20s that saw all of this happening. And instead of swimming out to where they were, they yelled for everyone on the beach 
to join hands. And they formed a human chain of over 40 strangers to reach out to these two boys and the adults who had tried to save them. There are people all around us drowning. And we want to save them, and we could swim out, and we'll be just as lost as they are because we don't have the power to swim against this current of sin. But God sent the Son. And the Son sent the Spirit. And the Spirit locks arms with us so that we can reach out to those around us. Without that connection, we're just another person floating in the current. But as we remain connected to God the Father through Jesus Christ's sacrifice and the presence of the Spirit, not only are we safe and secure, but we're able to reach out. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment?